Ben Denucci. Uh, ben Denucci. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We've had a couple of injuries, a couple of interesting collapses and a couple of surprise teams coming out of nowhere. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we've got Fitz. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's all down in Cork? Uh, not too bad. It's it's uh, yeah level five in full effect, so I haven't left my house in about a week, um, which is nice. Are you getting so, yeah, are you getting deliveries like are you ordering your groceries online or do you just have enough in the house? Not quite yet. Uh, so because there's, I, I mean, I'm not sure if the if the shops are doing only one person in, but Sarah, my fiance, was was um, she went on Saturday to get them, and um, so um, I think, yeah, the 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 the, the kind of the jewel. Um, going grocery shopping thing I think is out for the next few months. So, so um, yeah, just to make, the, just so I can get this right, so she was off working kind of 24-hour shifts as a trainee doctor for the last two and a half weeks, comes back and then does your grocery shopping for you. Well, she's the one who has the car, so it's, okay. it's a complicated discussion. I did offer, but, but she said she would, she would go. It was just easier. She knows what she wants as opposed to me having to guess what she needs. Okay, so fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, what about yourself? Me. It's how's your how's your lockdown been so far? Yeah, well, I'm doing my own shopping uh, for for all the people oh. of me. <laughs> Tell us, you strike um, me as the kind of man who would have outsourced that at this point. No, no, no. It, it's an opportunity to get out of the house, you know. Like, uh, I and, suppose, uh, yeah. You know, and I do some cooking now because you're at home all day and something else mm. to fill a bit of time. But uh, in actuality, like except for Tesco, which is always weirdly busy, most of the city centre shops actually aren't too bad. I suppose because no one lives in the city centre. Yeah, yeah. It's out in Ballincollig, whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's not too bad going in. I go in, get my groceries, cook them up, take a walk every day up the hill. My One of the many famous Cork Hills. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, keeping safe, uh, wearing masks, staying socially distant where possible. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, Are no, up, up here, up, up, yes. up here in Kerry, I'm, I'm still in Kerry. Unfortunately, our place wasn't ready until tomorrow, so we're going to move up on Saturday morning. So I'm going to go crack a dawn on on Saturday and travel up. So it'll be uh, it'll be good fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, for now, tipping away. Uh, the the one problem is that there's not a there's not a lot in a five kilometer radius of quite rural Kerry. Um, given it's, I think about seven kilometers to the nearest shop. Uh, I did have, I did have fun during the week. Those who were trying to arrange the accommodation that uh, I can get internet coverage here in the house, but I cannot get phone coverage. So, to phone the landlord and to confirm whether or not we had a house, I had to drive down to the nearby petrol station, park up, and start ringing him from there. And anytime I got a, anytime I got a voicemail, I had to drive down there to check what the voicemail was for. So it was uh, very exciting altogether. But. Um, yeah, looking forward to moving up now on the weekend. And like I said, you just get so much more bang for your buck with a five-kilometer radius in a city. Uh, I think we'll actually be able to get to all the shops we need to survive and stuff once we're down there. Whereas here, we have to break the five kilometers, but you know you have to, to get into the shop to do the weekly shop. So, say la vie. Yeah, it's a very, very urban bit focused uh, policy, definitely. Definitely not designed by people who live in the sticks. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, you can you can tell that for sure. Uh, I suppose we should probably crack into the games and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll start with the news from around the league. So obviously COVID again leads us off, but another fairly positive week for the NFL in relation to it. 
Uh, Las Vegas offensive tackle Trent Brown tested positive, so there was worries about the uh, the the Sunday night football match, which had involved the Oakland Raiders. They moved Seattle to Arizona there as a precaution, but Tampa Bay and Las Vegas did in fact go ahead. The rest of the uh, offensive line room tested negative, uh, so they're able to have four of their five starters out there playing for them. Uh, Buffalo tight end Dawson Knox also tested positive, but most of the tight end room were unaffected. Uh, yeah, like it was, it was, it was okay. The big one though is that Jacksonville backup running back Raquel Armstead has apparently had, so he has COVID nineteen, but he's now got some serious complications attached to it. He'll miss the entire season, and I think there's wider concerns about what his career prospects might look beyond that so obviously that's the other side of this is that we can see the kind of they've got everything track and trace in place and are able to manage it very well now but in those instances where you know this is a physical sport with guys at the in the top one percent of the top one percent kind of thing that any kind of long-term impacts that come off this will have a huge knock-on to the careers of these men yeah like it, it is a serious disease like i know the statistics are, are fairly positive if you're obviously not, you know, geriatric, if you're not over 60. But, you know, there is a lot of information out there about things such as long COVID and such. And obviously the medical, you know, knowledge about the, the effects of COVID-19 are only now being discovered over time. And yeah, with Ryquel Armstead, you're talking about someone, yeah, who if they're having a situation where complications such as pneumonia or lung damage have occurred, then he probably won't be able to play professional uh, NFL football, especially since he was probably a kind of practice squad, uh, roster bubble type player anyway. Um, so yeah, like this is a very serious disease. I think we need to remember that. And uh, I think to be fair to the NFL, they are now taking all like severe precautions, perhaps for selfish reasons, but you know, the po- I suppose the ex- positive externality of that is that the players are less likely to be exposed and like yeah like Trent Brown ends up getting it uh, which ended up being a fine um, and then Dawson Knox got it in Buffalo um, I think the only tight end I think there was like one practice squad tight end who, who they had and the only other tight end that managed to play was Tyler Croft because his child he was having a child at the time uh, so it wasn't in the room um, yeah, yeah so uh, that that's good for him as well but as far as I know the rest of that tight end room that none of them have caught it but because of the close contacts rules which were introduced recently um, obviously they w- weren't able to be in it because the, the, they fell within the five day window um, mm-hmm. which once again is a sign that they're taking this very seriously so look uh, we've been kind of saying this for multiple weeks that like COVID-19 hasn't gone away the NFL is taking a lot of very uh, severe steps to kind of keep it in check and uh, yeah I think you know it's mostly working at the moment and hopefully that can continue yeah no of course yeah, that would be my kind of feeling on it as well. I mean, from the NFL's perspective, I think the fact that this, the entire slate of games, another a second week in a row with the entire slate of games goes ahead is obviously very positive. It does seem like the new protocols brought in, um, I don't know if the, if the specific ones brought in because of the Titans case or just a general learning curve that they're on, they do seem to be working. There seems to be much fewer cases coming through, um, which is a good sign. Um, but there's still, I mean, 10 weeks plus the playoffs to go. So, I mean, I think still very much at, at the bottom of the hill in terms of that. But every week that the NFL gets through um, this season should be counted as a success, I think. No, of course. Uh, we'll move on to some injuries. We had a couple of serious season enders. So Cleveland, Odell Beckham Jr. left the game early. He's an ACL tear. He's out for the season. Washington safety Landon Collins has done his, in, his Achilles, and he's also gone for the season. And Minnesota defensive end Danielle Hunter has got a neck injury and is also done for the season. So obviously this is a big knock for 
Cleveland, although they did seem to gel quite well on offense in that game, although be that, we'll talk about it in the game, but be that their offense gelling or Cincinnati's defense. Washington were never really a contender, but bizarrely, I think, are only about a game or a half game out in their division, so they're still live. And Minnesota, look, Danielle Hunter's a big loss to them, but they're also a team that I don't think we have a ton of trust in. So, like, are these going to have big impacts on the back end of the season, do you think? Well, like, look, like Cleveland, obviously, they are in the playoff hunt. Uh, but, of course, since OBJ's been there, it hasn't really gone as they would have hoped when they traded for him. Um, and Rashard Higgins, when he came into the game, uh, did very well at over 100 yards. So, look, I think the issues with OBJ uh, are that he's an incredibly talented player, but I'm never, I'm not sure if him and Baker ever really got on the same page uh, fully. Like, he had that one really big game, um, but otherwise it's kind of been disappointing. So I don't know how much that really changes what's happening there in Cleveland, where they're a run-first team. They have had a lot of success going to their tight ends, but maybe they missed that big play element uh, especially as they get into these tougher games like where they're really struggling to win against like the elite in the, within their division and within the NFL in general and look for Washington like they are playoff relevant no matter how much it may surprise you and Landon Collins has been a, a solid player for them maybe disappointing considering how much they're paying him but yeah I think that defence is it would have to pick up a lot of slack for them to make the playoffs and that's also an issue and look for Minnesota they're they're in sell-off mode we'll, we'll talk about that in the trades and signing section so mm. not a huge effect there to be honest no of course yeah I mean the, the feeling I have with, with OBJ is that given that he's a big game player the, the Browns probably probably would have leaned on him a, a good bit in the playoffs for, for down the stretch big plays and kind of fourth quarters of, of close playoff games so without that I think they it doesn't necessarily destroy their season um, although it, it obviously doesn't help, but I do think that they are going to suffer, um, especially when they start to play good teams uh, regularly uh, in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, no, of course. Um, other injuries around the league. Dallas quarterback Danny Dalton has a head concussion injury, so he's week to week. Uh, his backup is terrible, and Dalton was not playing well, so it doesn't really impact much. Tampa Bay wide receiver Chris Godwin has injured his finger, so it'll be one to three weeks. He's a big player for that offense, but as we saw, and we'll talk about it in the games, like they have too many weapons, and we will be discussing in a minute. They've added another one. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Philly have lost uh, Deshaun Jackson to an ankle fracture for six to eight weeks so another wide receiver down for them Seattle Chris Carson has a foot sprain so he's week to week and cornerback Shaq Griffin's concussed so he's out for a week or two again Seattle's running backs constantly getting injured it's unfortunate San Francisco the cycle of running backs continues Jeff Wilson came in ran fantastically as we'll discuss in the games and he now has a high ankle sprain he's out for four weeks and Debo Samuel has injured his hamstring so he's week to week and finally Kenyon Drake the running back for Arizona have done his ankle and it's two to four weeks so this is a lot of not back-breaking uh, injuries really but like a lot of contenders are missing pieces here i think the likes of tampa bay are better set up to weather this and maybe the seattle team whereas like I, i'm not sure about arizona uh san francisco it seems like it doesn't matter who's playing for them they can just get the production yeah like i think it's worth noting that andy dalton the the he got a cheap shot from john bostick um, the, the Washington linebacker, it was a screwed up thing to do. Uh, and now obviously after the game, because uh, we probably won't spend much time talking about that game, um, the, the, one of the big conversations was that his teammates didn't really do anything to get angry when that happened to him. So like it was a cheap shot. I think hopefully it's just a concussion. It's week to week. He, he'll survive. He hasn't had that kind of issue before. So 
I think he'll probably get past it. But yeah, like you're looking at a lot of offensive weapons here being lost from contenders. Like Chris Godwin, he's been in and out of that team all season. And I think they've definitely looked a lot better with him in the team. He's just such a dynamic playmaker. He's kind of almost like the Michael Thomas, uh, thinking of missing pieces, um, where he kind of moves the chains, kind of makes those explosive plays. Um, and you're back to relying on Scotty Miller as your, as your WR2 until you get back to maybe a, an interesting acquisition. And look for Philly, Deshaun Jackson came back, looked good for a quarter, and now he's gone again. So they're back to like Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward Jr. and stuff. And yeah, for Seattle and San Francisco, they both, in theory, like running the ball. Uh, Seattle less so these days, so maybe you know just more rust cooking, really, given that. Uh, but for San Francisco, yeah, I think they can probably get by with that scheme. It's such a running back friendly scheme. You might see more of Jared McKinnon um, or Jermichael Hasty, which sounds like a made up NFL name, to be honest, mm. and then like Madden name. Uh, and Kenny Drake hasn't done anything for Arizona, so I think Chase Edmonds will come in and actually be pretty good as, as the lead back there, to be honest. No, I suppose the takeaway for me is that it's the same teams that are, ha- that are having injury crises, losing more players, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the 49ers. These are teams that probably can't afford to lose uh, too many more, and so you would be worried for them uh, just in terms of the, the, the amount of backups that they have, although the 49ers don't seem to need anybody um, to, to crush teams these days. <laughs> we had a couple of um, trades and so on, and we actually expect, probably as we're recording now, by the time this gets out to you, I'd say there'll probably have been a few more because next week's the trade deadline, but with COVID and everything, I expect to see players moving a little bit earlier. Baltimore have traded a 2021 third and a conditional fifth for Yannick Ngakwe from Minnesota. Uh, I think he was kind of agitating to get out anyway. Arizona have traded the 2021 sixth round for Marcus Golden, the defensive end from uh, the New York Giants. Tampa Bay have signed wide receiver Antonio Brown, who, as it turns out, <laughs> does only is allowed to have served those eight weeks of suspension, not with a team, even though that was in direct contradiction to what we were told at the time. And Baltimore have signed wide receiver Des Bryant to their practice squad, which I, I think is yeah. the most confusing slash interesting of these moves but yeah where, where do we want to start with this lads well like we'll, we'll start with the boring ones okay the trades the trades are they make <clears> sense yeah that they're not too controversial like minnesota like they're in a hole there's like they're in a division that's full of good teams they're not going to the playoffs so they're already selling off assets like they traded a second and a conditional fifth for yannick Ngakwe. they're more or less getting back i suppose money for that um like they're losing a bit obviously but given the situation um, that's to be expected. And look, Yannick Ngakwe, apparently he, he has links with the Maryland area. Um, he really wanted to play in Baltimore. They have Clayus Campbell there, who he's friends with back from their Jacksonville days. So look, Baltimore gets stronger again on defense. That defense has already been pretty scary. And yeah, they just get better uh, every time. And I have no doubt that they'll manage to use his talent um, that, that hasn't quite, you know, worked out recently in Minnesota and the latter times in Jacksonville back to his uh, good Jacksonville days and look for Arizona Marcus Golden um, has experience in Arizona uh, under 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 the previous regime uh, I think a little bit during uh, current under the cliff one um, he's a solid situational pass rusher he gets sacks uh, but he's you know a guy you put on third down not nothing more else than that um, so yeah the trade the trades make sense uh, the signings uh, <laughs> you, you could probably have a bit more of an opinion on that Sean like you had you had experience of the last time Tom Brady and Antonio Brown got together for that glorious was it two weeks in New England. <laughs> Um, why, yeah, why given yeah, all the I, weapons in Tampa Bay, do they want to add this flammable component I mean, into the mix? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a, it's always good to have options kind of thing. I mean, I, I guess I read this a little bit like the, the Chiefs signing Lev Bell. It, it's always good to have another solid player on your roster that you can rely on. 
especially I guess in a, in a COVID season um, where you know injuries and, and various other ways people could be out could mean that you are eventually you do need to dip into your, your pool of talent. I mean, it's I think it's he's it's a gamble, but it's it's not an expensive one. I think they can, from from what I understand the the contract is is I think the minimum, so they can kind of get rid of him if if, if he doesn't work out. Um, I think he's an explosive player to have as an option, and certainly with with Brady clicking again and that offense clicking, he can contribute. Um, I don't expect him to do very much, but I think it, it's it's a solid plan to have some of that kind of talent um, on the team, um, just in case. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just I get a feel that like they have so many good options on that team already. Like they're stacked at wide receiver. Gronk is coming into good old fashioned Gronk form. That Antonio Brown has been a locker room cancer in the last three organizations he's been in. He's been out of the league for most of a year and currently has several lawsuits pending on pretty serious gear. Like I just don't know why Tampa Bay, like. Because if they can sign him now for this, he's a free agent. They can sign him in week twelve when someone goes down, if needs be. I don't. I wouldn't want Antonio Brown anywhere near my organization at the moment. Yeah, I think it's it's weird because obviously the Bruce Arians has come out and said, "Oh, me and Jason like the GM. This is completely our decision. Nothing to do with Tom Brady." And you're kind of going, "Yeah, like you know, like I know the NFL, like the NFL, the reporting world. People do make up some stuff or, or stretch the truth a bit, but." Like, there's been far too much smoke. There'd not be a bit of fire there that this wouldn't be happening if Tom Brady wasn't yeah, the quarterback but, but, for the Tampa but, but Bay But Bruce Arians has, has come out beforehand and talked about how much he lies to the media. Like, he, he says he doesn't give a shit about them and he lies to them all the time. So, like, I, I don't take anything he says is too, too factual, you know? The Baltimore signing, I kind of... would be more of what Sean was saying would be what I'd be thinking there. The Des Bryant out of the practice squad, he's a year out of play and he had the injury and stuff. But like, look again, was a, was a top wide receiver is, you know, he's probably slower now, but would be able to work in kind of, you know, coverage roles. If you get an injury for a few weeks or something like, I quite like that one. Yeah. I think it reflects the new practice squad rules about basically it's expanded and you're able to put players up and down a lot more and have veterans on there. So I think this is the kind of exactly the kind of player you expect to end up on practice squads with the, with the COVID situation. And look like, it's not like they have a huge amount of competition at the wide receiver spot. It's like Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. and like Willie Sneed, like, you know, could Des Bryant make a, make an impact there? Probably not likely, but not impossible. And look, you might as well take a punt on him. Uh, yeah, like they've, low- they've been circling each other for months. So it kind of yeah. makes sense. Low risk kind of move, I suppose. Um, yeah. There's one bit of potential crime and punishment floating around. Now, we haven't got any further confirmation apart from initial rumors that have been flying around about it, but there is a video that was released during the week of Danny Dimes and a couple of New York Giants players partying it up, breaking COVID rules in a nightclub and going a little bit wild. It was immediately deleted about four minutes after it was posted up by the DJ in the nightclub. And he then immediately claimed that it was from, oh, it's from a couple of months ago. But there was New York Giant rookies with them partying. So it seems unlikely. We haven't heard anything further on it since, but just want to keep an eye out that there might be a couple of punishments coming around the corner for the New York Giants from that. Um, Why would the Giants... uh put their amazing season at risk by doing this. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I could, I, I, I could imagine a couple of their players going, I wish I was dead and just going out. Like, <laughs> you know, there's never been a, a, you know, any involvement between giants and nightclubs that's ended badly in the past. So I'm sure it'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> 
yeah, uh, I, I, I'm sure we will send you all the updates we can on this one because I quite like it as a, as a fun story. Danny Dimes, the party boy. Uh, okay, we'll move on to the games from last week. Okay, so this week we're going to switch up the way that we go through the games a little bit and start with kind of the big, the big kind of impact games from the week. So we'll start off with the Battle of the Beasts, Pittsburgh at Tennessee, 27 to 24. Pittsburgh hold on from this kind of they were I think it was 27 to 7 in the third quarter uh, Tannehill got back into the game a little bit 220 and two touchdowns and AJ Brown had a nice day Ben looked quite human in this because for the first half or so they were just dominant and then in the second half it fell off he had three interceptions um, yeah and then this came all the way down to the wire because Tennessee returning back to early season form had a missed 45 year 45 yard field goal from uh, Gostowski to stop the overtime from happening and to be honest like all of the momentum at that point had moved to Tennessee they were steaming back into the game Um, and Pittsburgh looked very impressive on defense very impressive on offense and looked like a very balanced team but like if you've got a what a 23 point lead going into the like the tail end of the third quarter you got to be able to hold on to that and put the th- put the put the, the foot on the throat like you can't let a team like Tennessee who you've controlled for more than half the game just get right back into it like that yeah i was very surprised by this i mean given how comfortable the steelers had been for three quarters to for this game to end up being a three point game and even then just because um, of a field goal that probably should have been um, kicked is very surprising. I mean, the Pittsburgh, as you said, they, they are quite a balanced team. Their offense isn't flashy, but it is productive, especially this week where Claypool was kept quiet, but other wide receivers, uh, Smith-Schuster and, and Johnson, kind of stepped up. The defense had his usual aggressiveness, and I think it was dominant when it mattered. It, it did stop the Titans, especially in the first half, uh, at the points in which the Titans threatened to be scoring. But then the second half, whatever, the Titans, their their defense woke up, their offense woke up. One of the big things that I did like about the Titans, that even though they were down 20 points, they never gave up on the run game. They never they never tried to rely on Dan Hill's arm as opposed to, to Henry on the ground, and that eventually worked out for them. They, they got themselves back into a spot where it could do. But certainly, I mean, this game tells us uh, that these both these teams who were unbeaten going into it and are, have been quite impressive, they both have... Um, they both have deficiencies about them. They both have ways that they can be got at. They're certainly not perfect teams. Um, but ultimately, I mean, yeah, with the, how impressive the Steelers were in that first half, if they can play at that level for the for the rest of the season, they're going to be very hard to stop um, Yeah, um, on the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think for Tennessee, even though it came up short, I think this is a good sign. I think the one weakness they might have had last year was that when they went into a hole... He kind of felt that maybe, like, without Henry, they couldn't really get back into games. I think they, like Tannehill, after, you know, being there for over a year now, has found a level of comfort that even when they're in, in a difficult situation, he can pass them out of it. Now, they ever never go away completely from Henry, but I think, you know, the fact that A.J. Brown came back from his early, early season injuries and basically looked just as good as he did last year. They have Corey Davis back. Uh, Johnny Smith flashed earlier this year so I think they have a really explosive offense uh, even without Derrick Henry but Derrick Henry adds that level of you know pounding bruising grind them down um, uh, skill that just makes it really difficult for other teams and look for Pittsburgh like Big Ben 
he, you know, he, I think there's been, he's definitely not the same Big Ben we've seen in previous years. He's definitely physically diminished after his injury last year. Uh, his throwing motion still looks a bit off, and I think that came back to bite them. And I think it's just decision making. Like, I think, you know, throwing that many picks late on in the game, that's just not what you expect if you have a veteran quarterback, except maybe if they're Philip Rivers. Um, but um, <laughs> it's a situation where, look, I think Pittsburgh, they're a very balanced team. I think they're probably the best team on average. But I think, you know, when you're looking at teams like Kansas City or even Tennessee in this game, you kind of see the, the potential for that level of explosiveness that maybe Pittsburgh um, don't have um, as much without the trick plays um, to the likes of Ray Ray McLeod and to um, Chase Claypool. So a little bit of a concern for Pittsburgh, but considering where they are undefeated and how much they've done, um, I think, you know, that's just nitpicking. I think they could be happy enough with how things have gone. No, of course, the two big contenders will be moving on and looking to try and, like I said, I think this is going to have a big impact on seeding later on in the season, I think. Uh, mm. Seattle at Arizona, this was 34-37 to 37 in overtime. Big win for Arizona uh, when they get a field goal in their second possession of overtime. It took an interception to, to save them because this it, it kind of petered off a little bit once they got to overtime. Russell had a big day, 472, three touchdowns, but he did throw three picks. Lockett, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Kyler looked great, four touchdowns, over 400 yards. And again, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, over 100 yards again. Like, <clears throat> how you traded him away for nothing is beyond me. Um, yeah, this was just, uh, this is a great... Very exciting game to watch. Uh, DK Metcalf deciding to play defense after the interception and chasing a ball <laughs> higher the length of the fucking pitch. Like it was, uh, it was very exciting. <laughs> tough, tough loss for Seattle, but uh, this Arizona team showed a gear that I was not expecting to see. Yeah, like look, like if if you average out the the Minnesota game um, and this game as a Seattle fan here. I'm like, okay, like getting one and one is probably fair enough. <laughs> it's probably like, fair. <laughs> they, 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 they were up by 10 points twice in the second half. So I think that just shows that the Seattle defense just isn't up to much uh, without, especially without Jamal Adams at the moment. And I think when they miss, they were missing Chris Carson. I think Carlos Hyde was a bit hurt. I think their running game, when they really needed it in, in, at the end of the fourth quarter to kill the game, they just couldn't. And yeah, they had plenty of opportunities to win this game. But uh, fair play to Arizona. They got a, a touchdown after a Seattle mistake on, on a potential field goal uh, at the end, near the end of the game. And then they drove up uh, by 50 yards to get the, 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 get the kick to get into overtime. And then in overtime, like, look, like Cliff, Cliff uh, Kingsbury kind of lost his nerve a bit. They got into field goal range pretty easily on their first drive. Um, and then Kyler Murray got sacked on first down when they tried to run a play. And then he kind of chickened out and went, okay, I'm going to just kick on second down, uh, like a 40-something field goal. Like that's, it's a little bit sus, um, to use what the kids are saying these days. It's a little bit like, Oh, what are you doing? And then uh, there was a situation with uh, where the the first field goal was kicked by Zane Gonzalez, but then it turned out there was a timeout, and then he missed the second one. And then you're expecting, oh god, Seattle are going to do it again. They're going to like pull this out of nothing. Um, but like, look, Arizona made some really good adjustments in the second half, and in overtime, you could tell that Russell Wilson, after blasting them in the first half, was a lot more uncomfortable. They were getting a couple of sacks in overtime that they hadn't done anything previously. So fair play to Vance Joseph for making adjustments which Seattle didn't really do um, and then you know Seattle, yeah, he threw that pick basically you know in, there was three Arizona players around that pick any of them could have got it um, so he didn't really look comfortable there uh, on the play before of course DK Metcalf had gone for a touchdown but it was called back by hold, for holding due to David Moore and like yeah, like Tyler Lockett dominated here, but like DK Metcalf probably got the highlight of the game. Like that, when he was chasing down Buddha Baker, you're kind of going, like, could you imagine like having that 
beast of a man like chasing <laughs> you down with like aggressive intent looking to kill you like uh or take you down and like at the time that seemed like a really significant play because um arizona would fail to convert on fourth down uh after he after they got the ball on the 10 yard line so that was a 14 point swing and i think you know dk after that earlier situation against philly or sorry dallas where he he lost the sorry it was philly where he he was kind of sauntering into the end zone and then they punched the ball mm-hmm. out i think he's out to prove that he ain't no one's uh, fool and he's playing there but like look arizona they played a great game um, they got the rub of the luck, uh, and a Seattle fan, considering how much luck we've had, I, I can't really say it's too unfair. <laughs> yeah, this this did definitely felt like, like the chickens coming home to roost for me a little. Seattle have looked vulnerable at times this season, and eventually a defeat like this was always going to happen. And, and conversely, the Cardinals, we always thought that they were going to be good this year, but they kind of lost their way for a few weeks, and they've managed to slowly build themselves back up to, to a high level. The question now is whether they can keep this up. Are they just a team that is inconsistent with high moments or are they a team that is learning um, how to work with what they have and, and to produce at a high level. So um, it's an interesting kind of opportunities open up for the Cardinals, even though the division they're in um, is uh, not a nightmare. I think all four teams in the NFC West are now uh, over 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's that's going to be one hell of a division. It's like the, it's like the, the mirror image of the NFC it. East. Yeah. There's an old face. You can all make it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'd be amazing if they did in the first year of it to have an entire division make it. Um, okay, next up, Cleveland at Cincinnati, uh, AFC North battle, thirty-seven to thirty-four. This was a very, very fun game to watch. Baker found Peoples Jones in the corner of the end zone to win in dying seconds. Uh, he threw five touchdowns and one interception in this game while nearly making three hundred yards. Um, Higgins had a big game. Tight ends filled in after, as we mentioned earlier, OBJ went out injured. Uh, Miles Garrett played well on defense with two sacks and a forced fumble, but like their defense wasn't up to much. The on the Bengals side, Burrow looked very entertaining again. Over four hundred yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown, I think, as well. Um, they're getting production out of the the wide receivers, but you still see like there's moments like AJ Green uh, dropped a, a a caught touchdown in the end zone. There's a few just mistakey bits here and there, and he was not helped by that offensive line that caused an awful lot of uh, false start penalties, particularly in the tail end of that game. But again, very exciting, a very good win for Cleveland keeps them alive in that AFC North race that is heating up again. Three teams that'll be kind of knocking heads to figure out who's who. Um, it's good to see Baker being able to put a game away at the tail end because one of the big criticisms has been that you know when the when the lights are on, when the pressure is on, that's when he'll make mistakes. But five touchdowns, like beautiful pass to Peoples Jones with his wide receiver two, I suppose out uh, one thing i will say is if you want to check up online there's a there's a little video of um baker dancing afterwards in the locker room and he has worse white guy dancing than i do it is pretty <laughs> terrible i am um, i i loved the baker stat line for this it, it was i was watching the the steelers titans game when this game was on and across the bottom of the screen it was Baker Mayfield over five zero yards and an interception uh, and then he went <laughs> And then he went and had 21 straight passes, five of which were for touchdowns. I mean, it is just both sides of his game, the, the ability to just do nothing or also the ability to get in a role uh, and to score a lot. Cleveland are an incredibly fun team to watch. They're exciting. All their games are dramatic and big. I mean, I can't see them getting too far in the playoffs if they if they play um, this openly, but they're going to be fun to watch for as long as they're around. Um, and on the other side, the Bengals, I mean, yeah, I don't know. 
they're stuck again. They're stuck in a tough division, which means they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're going to they have too many games against too many good teams. But there is definitely a, a kernel of a good team here. Maybe it is just Burrow being um, super talented carrying a team. But the, there's there just seem to be a little bit in this Bengals team that, that we're beginning to see. But unfortunately, the season might already be a bit, bit of a write off for them. Yeah. Yeah, and like, look, like Cincinnati, Joe Burrow is carrying that team basically by himself. Like, it's almost like Andrew, like Andrew Luck when he came in Indianapolis. They had a little bit more talent, but it's a similar situation where, like, they have nothing else there, and he's just making those guys look good. Like AJ Green's coming back, uh, Tyler Boyd looks good, T Higgins, the rookie, is looking like an absolute. Like they're going to have a really good career together. Uh, and the run game didn't do anything, and the defense doesn't do anything. Like, as I say, like, Miles Garrett was the only defender in this game. Everyone else was just crap. Except for, like, Denzel Ward got that one play on AJ Green that you mentioned where he stopped mm-hmm. the touchdown. But, like, both these defenses are terrible. Um, so, like, fair play to Baker Mayfield for taking advantage of a bad defense, fronting up, basically, I would say, um, and, like, showing that he isn't a liability. Uh, I think without OBJ, maybe he'll actually be a bit better. Because I do think, to a certain extent, he was always looking for OBJ, I think, trying to prove that that relationship would mm-hmm. work. Without that, he can lean on Jarvis Landry, who's a more reliable like yards-after-catch guy. And he just seems to have a better relationship with Higgins. He was finding him easily um, after recent uh, issues. Um, and yeah, But like Cincinnati, they're just a one-man shop. Uh, it's a very fun shop, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be good enough to actually win many games this season. But going forward, they should be a really exciting team. Connor, one of these days, your, your, your pre-season hype for Cincinnati will come true. Maybe oh, yeah. next year? Not Maybe quite next year. Season, but like I said, like I, I, I really, I, it's it's a big turnaround that I, they're actually genuinely just fun to watch now at this point. I prefer to mix them back because he's a much better runner for them. But yeah, next up, Carolina at New Orleans, twenty-four to twenty-seven, a game that was probably closer than we expected it to be going in. But as we heard at the time, uh, New Orleans going into the game are actually going to miss their top two uh, pass catchers. Joe Sly missed a 65-yard field goal to tie as New Orleans wins. A uh, nice attempt at the. I think that would be the longest, wouldn't it? If he was yeah, making record, the, 64, record. Yeah. Um, Breeze, like it was basically just efficient and not exciting passing. Breeze was slightly better, 287 with two touchdowns. Kamara is just incredible, 148 yards in the ground. Like Teddy looked fine, 250 yards and two touchdowns. Like again, they're just a very vanilla looking operation in Carolina at the moment. There's just nothing to excite all that much. I like the way that Robbie Anderson has fit into their offensive scheme and I like the production they're getting out of him. But uh yeah, like it's just there's just not much there. Like this is a game that was very bland and New Orleans were missing most of their cat pass catching options. So I can't imagine like if, if Carolina were gonna be able to knock them off, this was the chance. Uh but like you know, like I said, middle of the road, Carolina will be fine. They'll win somewhere between six and nine games and maybe if they're lucky compete for a uh, wild card spot but like that's about it for it whereas New Orleans I'm still just I'm waiting to see these players come back so we can get a handle on what this team could look like in the back end of the season yeah and it's a bit of a bizarro situation because like if you were to like just look at these kind of like stat lines where the running back had all the yards and the other team was just like spreading the ball out to all of their options you would in the past associate those with the opposite team yeah so like like new orleans right now it's the camara show michael thomas we don't know what the hell's happening with him but it's not nice the trade rumors injury rumors um, emmanuel sanders was also missing for this game so they were lying guys on like 
Callaway um, and Traquan Smith and guys like that. And to be fair, he was still finding them. He wasn't doing too bad, but yeah, most of the yardage is still coming from Kamara's ability to just make something out of nothing. After his injury year last year, he's right back to being that elite player. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's not something that you can expect to work against the best teams in the NFC. But in Carolina's sense, they're just one of those either average or slightly above average teams depending on how you see them where teddy bridgewater is having a very solid season um probably that almost that kind of uh that that issue where he's good enough to kind of win you games but is he good enough to put your franchise on his back for the for the long-term future it's it's very uncertain right now but he he spreads the ball out to dj uh, Moore, who had a good game here 94 yard two touchdowns but he's finding robbie anderson he even got curtis samuel who's been kind of quiet this season involved so he's just a very solid quarterback we saw that when he filled in for drew Brees last year with new orleans and he had a, like a nice moment where he, he kind of jumped onto their <laughs> onto their bench between uh with with Jameis and drew Brees and had a bit of the crack um and look, I think Carolina, given where we kind of expected them in preseason, they could be very happy with the progress they're making. And that Joe Brady offense, it is going places. It has surprise effort. It is working. Um, I think the big problem for them is that the defense is still really finding its feet. As Once again, not as bad as we might have expected early on this year, but it is still nowhere near being a good unit. And for New Orleans, it's a similar situation. The defense, like they're pretty good up front, but the secondary has really been disappointing. So... Um, I think New Orleans, they're in a big fight with Tampa Bay in terms of the, the, the winning that division. But uh, yeah, I think given the missing pieces, if they come back, I could definitely see, see them still competing with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not convinced by the Saints. Um, I, they were chalked up a lot in preseason and they're, they're, every time I watch them, they're, they're playing teams they should be beating comfortably and they're just not. Every game is, is a close one, um, close fought to the, to the bitter end. Um, I kind of feel that that Breeze is not as productive um, as perhaps the Saints were still hoping that he would be this year, and that and that ultimately that they just don't have, especially with the wide receiver problems they're having. They just they are ultimately reliant on Kamara and don't have enough going around to carry them. On the other side, the Panthers are. I didn't. I really didn't think the Panthers would be good this year, especially once uh, McCaffrey went. But yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is is being Teddy Bridgewater. He's being solid reliable and getting things done and they're hanging around you know they're i think they're is it three and four four and three the, the panthers are they're hanging around and they if they can get a couple of wins together they can be back in, in the hunt um so yeah even though the saints won this i'm ending up i think a little bit more impressed with where the panthers are going um, as opposed to the saints who i don't feel are, are really living up to their potential yeah, and like we said, though, the Saints are missing a couple of pieces, so we'll see if that helps when they come back. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was, there, it was an underwhelming performance too. from them. Like uh, they had their, this is their year, they have to do it this year. Where yeah, they have to. The, the, yeah. Like, like, if they were signing Antonio Brown, I think I would understand it a little bit more, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Detroit and Atlanta, oh, this was a heartbreaker. Atlanta, how do you keep doing this to yourselves? 23-22. to 22. Atlanta lost a game by scoring a touchdown. How, you might ask. Uh, Atlanta had the game in hand, ready to be finished off with uh, they. The Detroit team had used all of their timeouts. Atlanta had the ball. All they needed was a first down, and then they could just kill the clock and kick a field goal to win. And Todd Gurley got through the line and then decided to score a touchdown, realized at the last second he shouldn't have, but fell over the line and gave the ball back to the Detroit Lions with a minute on the clock to try and win the game. And you knew at that point 
that regardless of how little time was left, the fact that Detroit had no timeouts, that Atlanta were going to shit the bed again. Stafford, 240 yards and a touchdown, uh, makes the pass to TJ Hawkinson, I believe, in the in the corner of the end zone for the walk-off touchdown. Uh, Ryan had a decent game, 330 yards and a touchdown. Julio, nearly 100 yards. Their defense looked better. They had a couple of really, like, they had a big fourth down stop, and the same thing happened for the Lions. But, like, oh, God, this game was terrible, apart from that. Like, it was heartbreaking and hilarious for <laughs> to watch, but, like, yeah. it was also <laughs> a very bleh game. Like, I don't like either of these teams. Yeah, this is a game, you know, save the best for last or the worst for last, depending on your perspective. Like, there wasn't a huge amount happening before that. Like, like Atlanta looked like one of their better versions. Like, they had, like Julio came back. They were still getting decent production. Maybe not explosive, but fine. And their defenses looked better since Dan Quinn left. And, and you know, still not amazing, but not absolutely horrible. And basically, the Lions were more or less the same. Like, Stafford was throwing it up to Galladay, who was making circus catches all day, just jumping over guys and around guys. And he looked like every every pass catch he made could have ended up in like with a season-ending injury. How stupid looking they were. Um, but yeah, like that, that end situation is just so, so Falcon, so Falcon, so, so bad. <laughs> where, you know, Gurley... Like, like the because like, the Detroit the Detroit defender kind of tried to tackle him. I think he was like, "Oh, he's he's broke through the line. He's trying. I, I should tackle him." But then he kind of remembered, "Oh wait, no, I shouldn't tackle him." And then kind of let go. And then Gurley kind of I must have got confused and didn't know what to happen. And then yeah, he just kind of fell just on the line. Like it just was inches over the line to get the touchdown. And then all the all the uh, defenders were like, yeah, touchdown. They're putting their arms up going, touchdown, yeah. touchdown. I think uh, the, the, the former, uh, Jamie Collins, the former New England uh, linebacker, obviously the New England player knew exactly what was going on and he was having a great crack. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Stafford, he just threw the ball up. They only had like 60 seconds. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, and he threw up like two decent passes and then just a circus catch from Galladay to get them down for TJ Hawkinson. Galladay played down. incredible in this game, to yeah. be fair. And yeah, I, it's just Atlanta. They're just such a, they're such a bad, unlucky team. Like, I think given the talent they have, the fact that they're in this hole is just very depressing for them. And uh, yeah, like, there's just no, no safe lead. And once again, Arthur Blank on the sideline looking to congratulate his players, uh, left looking like a fool. So... I don't know how long the owner will tolerate that happening. He's it's already fired one coach. Awful. I don't think Raheem Morris will survive this <laughs> this re- recreation of that type of thing. No. Yeah, I mean, the American football is such a strange sport. I think it is the only sport that I can think of where scoring is actually against your interests, that there are situations in which you are, if you're, you want to not score um, in, or, or to help the, you know, to, to win. As a Pats fan, I think it was the Super Bowl 44, 45 with the, the Giants situation. I was going to say, this exact situation yeah. happened before for the Pats, didn't it? Yeah, it was, it was in the Super Bowl, like one of the Giants Super Bowls, where they they knew that the Giants were going to kick an easy field goal to win the game, so Belichick told the d- defense to let them score, and uh, was it Ahmad Bradshaw or someone who realized at the one-yard line he wasn't supposed to, so he tried to set, sit down, but he fell over the the line of gain and uh, broke the plane. Um, so this is, I kind of just feel like you're just asking players to go against every instinct that, that's been trained in them for years, which is to score, uh, to, to get over the line if they can. Um, so yeah, it's just, I mean, it is, it is Falcon. It is the Falcon season in a nutshell that even when they score, they lose. But um, yeah, I, I do. I just feel what a bizarre sport this is. Sometimes that situations like this can happen. 
Yeah, no, it's mad. And our final, and this isn't even a high-rated game, we're just going to give a quick shout-out to the New York Giants at Philly Thursday Night Football. This was awful, but interesting. Wentz had an okay game, 373 and three touchdowns. They were down in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Giants collapsed. Danny Dimes had a fantastic moment where he was running unhindered uh, to score a touchdown, and then just, just, just the the ground tackled him, and uh, he couldn't get his way through it. <laughs> this means that the I'm Eagles dying, take I'm over. <laughs> Eagles take over at the top of that division at a record of two, four, and one, marginally over the Washington football team at two and five. Like, mm. if the Giants had won this, they would have had a tie for the top of this division. This is so incredibly awful yet Philly looked a bit better in the back half of this but how do you get into a hole against the Giants like that I just yeah, like, like it's a situation where like the Giants should have won this game they, they had all the chances um, but their defense just collapsed late like a load of big plays from Wentz similar to what he did against Baltimore last week to be fair so it's not uh, you know it's not not completely unprecedented but they just let up a huge number of plays to Fulgham and Ward and it was just awful and then on the drive where after um, the, the uh, Eagles got their first touchdown back to get it, to make it a four point game you know the, the Giants looked okay they made a couple of plays but then they had Jones threw a nice little pass to Evan Ingram over the show over the shoulder and it just hit off his off his fingers and you're kind of like oh that's the Giants all over they, they lose this as well as the hilarious absolutely hilarious Daniel Jones like fumble like from dumping himself on the ground just like yeah. absolutely outrunning himself um so look like philly that they seem to have a bit more belief about themselves and they seem to be doing some stuff whereas the giants i kind of feel like they're almost like they got that kind of um you know angry stepfather problem where like they they're obviously putting a lot of work in training to try and make this a professional team but when it gets down to prime time when they have to win the game they look like oh no joe joe is gonna be really angry with us if we don't do this right and then they lose all of their confidence um so yeah it's just i don't know if this whole situation really works uh, i think they do need to just like think uh, about this and work with what they have rather than pretending that they're an elite team yet yeah, yeah. i am I'm dying for the Eagles to, to to win this division. I think that's the only way and a shred of dignity can be taken from this season from the NFC East because the Eagles at least potentially, just by beating other NFC East teams, might get to 500. Um, they have the Cowboys next, I believe, and then the Giants after the bye week. And if they win both of those, they will actually be at 4-4-1, four and four and one, which is not an an utterly terrible position for a division leader to be. They're the only team, they're the only team in this division that has a semblance of talent, especially since the Cowboys are in a, in a super meltdown. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the only team that deserves um, to be on the periphery uh, of the playoff um, picture, never mind potentially getting a, a, a home, a home playoff game <laughs> as a division winner. But uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of holding out for the, for the, the eight and seven and one, um, Eagles to bring some dignity to this division. Um, although I'll take them winning six games if that's what it takes. <laughs> here's Obi, here's Obi. Right, we're going to move on to speed rounds for the rest of them because these are a little bit more one-sided games. So we'll just kind of give a quick synopsis uh, one person at a time. So I'll take the first one. Green Bay, Houston, 35-20. to 20. Uh, Devontae Adams just single-handedly dunked all over Houston, who looked terrible. He had 196 yards and two touchdowns. Green Bay were up 21 to nothing at the half. Like Watson did some stuff in the second half, but they had no real chance in this game. Aaron Rodgers seemed to have decided after getting 
shat on last week that he wasn't letting that happen again that's more of an OBJ thing to have happen and uh, he just decided to tear them up the defense looked good as well so let's just say Green Bay back on track to be you know you know it, deep in January February and Houston looked like pretenders next up Ronan yeah uh, Tampa Bay at Las Vegas 45 to 20 Tampa Bay is well on track. They got 20 point, 21 points in the fourth quarter to put away a game that was, you know, somewhat close, but you always felt like like Tampa Bay had had this on, on clampdown. Their defense in particular, like three sacks and interception with Devin White, an absolute menace all game. He got a big hit on Derek Carr that uh, was fair and clean, but uh, was sore. <laughs> and look, for Las Vegas, we, we talked about it in the news, they had some COVID issues. They had a couple of injuries in this game. The offensive line was just a bit racked, and the men the run game was kind of stuffed and look Carr I, I, like fair play to Carr he's actually playing very solidly this year um, but I think when your defence isn't doing much which they haven't done all year and the running game isn't doing much I think most uh, most quarterbacks are going to fail against a team like Tampa Bay and, and so it came to be so I think you know Tampa Bay they're looking getting that hype I'm not sure I quite buy completely into it but uh, the hype train is fully on board Tampa Bay I think Tampa NFL Bay looking, media. I think they're yeah. looking scary next up Sean Sam Fran at New England yeah, so thir- uh, Niners 33, Patriots 6, the worst home loss in the Belichick era and probably the worst total performance by a Patriots team, um, at least since the, the, the mediocre 2002 season where they weren't really going anywhere. The, Pat- the Pats, this is what Pats fans were fearing about this season, is that this, this could be the quality of this team without Brady uh, pulling them through. Um, the offense was pretty poor. Um, the pass game is, an, is a real weakness all around. Um, Cam was awful. His passing and decision-making was, once again, uh, really poor. He got 98 passing yards, I believe. And at one point, near the end of the first half, had, I think, was it nine yards of passing in the first 29 minutes um, mm. of this game or something, and three interceptions that just murdered them. Stidham was not much better. But there really weren't anything for the pass was that the defense was absolutely terrible, just could not stop the run game at all. Uh, and fell to bits. Um, and the, the optics of it, with, with Garoppolo on the other sideline, with Brady constantly popping in in the highlight reel, you really w- was like, this is this is the, the succession planning come home to roost. This is what um, Belichick, the, the GM, has left for Belichick, the head coach, a team that, that could potentially be going uh, nowhere. Just briefly talk about the Niners. They they played quite well. They had some lovely disguised plays, actually. They, they had lovely... Every play looks... Like the exact same, so you don't know how to plan for the Niners in terms of run and pass. Ayuk, I thought in particular, had a very good game. And Fred Warner on the defensive end at linebacker was just had a monster performance. But the Niners were so comfortable in this game. For a game that was being played at Foxborough, and this was just a, an embarrassment. And the Pats, I mean, if they don't get a response from this, and I'll talk about this uh, in the in the upcoming games against the Bills, if they don't get a response from this, then the season is over. And the the real question about where this franchise goes um, from here have to begin. No, of course, Kansas City at Denver, forty three to sixteen. Kansas City win a snow game with every side of the ball chipping in. We had a defensive score from Dirty Dan, a special teams from Pringle. Uh, Mahomes was efficient, two hundred yards and a touchdown. But they didn't really need to do anything. It was just. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the most part and a little bit of Lev Bell. Lev Bell gets his first win of the season on his second team. Uh, yeah, Drew Locke 
I think the, do- the, 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 the donkeys need to have a little think about do they actually have that franchise quarterback they think that they did because he's eight or nine games in now and he doesn't look all that great 254 and two interceptions I get that he was missing Fant uh, well Fant was there but he was injured for most of the game and Gordon is a fucking liability caught him uh, Lindsay was playing pretty well but he got injured in a, in, in a an unfortunate hit I don't think there was menace in it but yeah 43 to 16 no one broke a sweat we had a we, we, we had Matt Moore run in a, a, a touchdown so Chad Henney I was like Chad Henney yeah, Matt Moore is gonna <laughs> Chad Henney with Chad Henney that's even worse run in a touchdown on them um, that's just, just, just dis- that's disrespect on the level of when we had uh, Don Terry Poe pass on them whenever we were up by three scores before uh, yeah that was one-sided um you could see one thing I will notice. You could see the pass rush of Denver were getting to KC, and that was an element of both the the offensive line that's missing a lot of starters, but also Anthony Sherman was not back in the lineup, so they had uh, I think it was Kaiser, the backup tight end, in doing some blocking, and that man could not block anything. It was terrible. Uh, next up, running Jacksonville at the Chargers. Yeah, twenty nine to thirty nine. Justin Herbert continues his uh, rookie of the year campaign. Hype, hype, hype! Yeah. Uh, uh, but, like basically, the Chargers went up early. They let Jacksonville back in, and then they like Herbert went. No, actually, we're we're good, which is very uncharged. Like to be fair, and then got them going. Like the defense showed up late. They had five sacks in total. But look, Herbert, he looks like the real deal. He's spreading it around to all of his weapons, and they're all made to look a lot better thanks to him. Like when you look at week one. Even though they won that game, it was such a staid, boring offense. Now it looks like an exciting offense you want to watch every week. Uh, but on the Jacksonville side, their defense is just awful. They're not going to win games with that defense. And on the offense, they're leaning a lot on their rookie free agent, uh, undrafted free agent Robinson. He had 120 yards, two yardlines. But by the end of the game, he looked gassed, uh, to be honest. And Minshew just. You know, it's just not coming up at this point. He only had 172 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it just wasn't. He just doesn't seem to have it on the key downs. But to be fair, he's not getting a lot of support. He's been put in a lot of bad situations. But yeah, I think as a franchise, they'll probably be looking at the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields in the draft. Uh, it's probably not going to happen for Minshew as a starter. No, can't see it, which is a pity because I do quite like him. But I think he, I think he's done enough to show himself as a career backup at any rate. Yeah. Buffalo at the Jets. Oh wow. Ah, satisfying. I, I, I said I think I said on message uh, during the games to yourself, Sean, and a few others. Like sometimes I forget just how easy New England have had it with their division for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, it is true. I mean, the Jets have been bad for a very long time. The Dolphins have been bad for a very long time, and up until last year, the Bills were bad for a very long time as well. This game was uh, just an embarrassment all round. The the Bills handed the Jets a ten and zero lead, and then even though they couldn't score any. Touchdown still beat them comfortably with six field goals out, I think eight attempted field goals uh, in the end. Um, the Jets' offense was just non-existent, especially in the second half. I think they actually got four total yards of offense in the entire second half, oh, um, which gosh. is just, that's just, I mean, the Buffalo D had six sacks. Bring uh, back horse fumble, <laughs> two, two interceptions. <laughs> Darnold is just, I mean, he's fine, but yeah, there's just nothing going on in this team. Um, the, the 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 really interesting thing about it is in just in terms of Gase watch. Um, apparently now Gase has gone to try has turned to in order to hold on to his job, basically by giving up all the responsibilities uh, entailed to that job. He's no longer even play calling uh, anymore. So they feels the only way he can hold on to his job is to not do it um, anymore. Um, yeah, very poor. I mean, the Bills got the win that they needed, and I guess in the main, that's that's all they really care about. 
But coming off, this was a game they needed to show that they could bounce back from um, a couple of difficult weeks, and they haven't really shown that yet. And now, even with a two-and-a-half game lead on the Pats, they've got a very big game coming up next week where they have to start firing at all cylinders um, that they haven't done in at least a month now. They haven't played well, the Bills. Yeah, rather exciting game next week coming up for them. Uh, Chicago at the Ra- LA Rams, 10-24. to 24. Yeah, this was not a great uh, performance from Chicago. Rams' defense looked real good, four sacks and two interceptions. Uh, their offense was pedestrian, 210, two touchdowns in the air, 161 touchdown on the rushing. Like, Hecker had an interesting day. If you're on punt watch, this used to be Fitz's old corner. The uh, the weather forecast punt watching. Hecker had five punt. out of five out of five oh, yeah. punts dropped within the ten, which I think <laughs> has never happened or has, hasn't happened in 25 plus years. Um, Foles didn't look great in this game, but as we said, he's streaky. You're due a couple of bad games out of him. 261 and two touchdowns, but they just couldn't get anything going in the run game. And like, it's got to start becoming a question. We've said it beforehand. Matt Nagy, their coach, doesn't seem to know how to use the run game, doesn't seem to know how to support his quarterbacks. Like Their defense is still good, but you can't get away with 260 yards with no rushing game. Like That's just yeah. not going to win games, particularly when you're on the road this far away. You need to be able to lean on that. And they do have the, they, they, they do have the skill at the position, although you're not seeing it that much because of the scheme. So I think Nagy needs to have a long, hard look at the playbook and uh, see what they can do next yeah. week. There was a small thing in the telecast where apparently Foles was saying that you know, he's he's like Nagy's trying to run up schemes that won't work because he's not protected well enough. So, you mm. know, something's going on there. It's not very fun. But look, they they still have a lot of wins. So whatever. Yeah. And look, like they're, finally, they're well set to up. end to end this week, Dallas <laughs> at the football team, three to twenty-five. Oh God. <laughs> John Bostic, as we mentioned, murdered Andy Dalton. Uh, even though Dallas were Dallas were already getting murdered by this Washington at that point anyway. And look, Washington, like, Kyle Allen's come in and he's been what he is, solid, boring, doesn't throw the ball away, actually throws the ball uh, fairly decisively compared to Trojan Haskins. I don't know, like, he's not a franchise quarterback, so I don't know if it makes that much of a difference, but uh, Antonio Gibson at least looks good. He had a hundred. They're only a yards. game out. They're only a game yeah. out. Half a game, Dan- Connor. Half a game. Um, no, it's Dallas. a game. Oh, my God. They're so they're, sad right now. They're half a game behind the Eagles, aren't they? Game and a half, isn't it? Eagle, Eagles have two wins and a, and a draw. Yeah, two. The Eagles so. are two, four, and one, and Washington are two and five. So that's half a game. Oh, I thought they're only one. Of, I thought they're one and five. Fair enough. <laughs> Who cares? Oh God, these teams. This, this division is so grim. Yeah, like Dallas had 143 yards in offense with Ben DiNucci, uh, Ben DiNucci, uh, and like no defense. And like I think there's rumors they're trying to trade Everson Griffin, one of their free agent signings. So I think they're already going into fire sale mode. We'll just see if they manage to sell their new head coach down the river while they're at it. Yeah, with that, I suppose we'll go on and have a look at the games for next week. All right, so we will have a look at how we're picking the games for next week with quick previews. Uh, first up, Atlanta at Carolina. We've all gone for Carolina across the board. I was hemming and hawing on this one, and I just remembered that they scored their way into losing the last game. So <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like Atlanta, are, Atlanta are improved um, since Raheem Norris came in, but... You just saw evidence that they haven't lost their uncanny ability to lose close games. And look, Carolina, they're a solid team. Teddy Two Gloves, he he usually plays well in the games where the other defense isn't great. He's only really bad against me against Chicago. Um, so I think they should be solid enough to kind of take care of this Atlanta team. But yeah, I think Atlanta might keep it a little bit close, but yeah, manage to lose because that's just what they do. 
Yeah, Jets at Kansas City. Kansas City across the board. Lev Bell revenge game. We'll just let him play quarterback. Next up, New England at Buffalo. This is Sean's pick of the week. Yeah, this is my game of the week because of the importance to the AFC East. So Connor and Fizzle have gone for Buffalo. I, more and hope than expectation, have gone for the Pats. Um, basically, my, my reasoning behind this is that this is the Pats season in a nutshell. They're two and a half games behind the Bills. If they lose this, they will be at, is it two and five or something? Yeah. Um, so their season will be will be dead in the water. Belichick has to get a response, and he is he is the best coach probably in NFL history. So if anyone's going to get a response and turn this around, it is him. So I kind of hope he'll pull things together, get a game plan together. He knows how to beat the Bills. He's beaten the Bills for 20 years. He knows how to get it done. <laughs> so I, I'm ha- hoping he'll put it out, especially since the Bills haven't really been firing in all cylinder, cylinders in the past few weeks. So, but if the Bills win this game, then the, they, there's no way they, they don't win this division. So this is the division cider uh, in week eight. Um, and that's how bad the Pats have been playing, is that they're playing for their division lives um, halfway through the season. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like Miami actually look more frisky than either of these teams right now. Like Buffalo haven't played well. They, they've been very shaky for, as you say, a month now. And maybe New England can knock them off. But I think we saw early on in the season, Buffalo at least have something about them. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking maybe they can get back to that um, here, but it's probably not going to be a very fun game to watch. Yeah, I yeah, that's the thing. Like Buffalo at home, I like I think the, I think the difference is how much will a week make to getting Cam back into playing Cam? How like how streaky is he? Is this something they can turn around within week or not? You know, because uh, yeah. if they can turn that around, they 100% can beat Buffalo in this current form. But if they can't, like I'm not seeing it out of Stidham or anything like that. Like Buffalo beat them on, if, if Cam can't turn it around. So that's that's the question: is can your defensive coach turn well, Cam's mindset I mean, around? From my perspective, I think the Pats should think of themselves as a run offensive team that relies on their defense to keep the score down. I don't think they should think of themselves as a passing team at all. Um, or even as a from Cam's position, a, a kind of a quarterback who runs kind of team. I think this team has to be built around the running backs and the defense, and they were doing that for the first three weeks of the season. It's just that they've they just the COVID break. They just killed all their momentum, and they just haven't been. They've been absolutely terrible since. Yeah, fair enough. Thanks up, Minnesota, Green Bay. Uh, Sean, we've all gone for Green Bay. Yeah, so we've we've all gone for the Packers here. The Packers have been good at beating up bad teams. The Vikings are a bad team. Um, so I would expect them to be comfortable enough. Rodgers would probably get up some nice numbers here um, as well. Uh, and the Vikings, I just don't think, can be competitive at the moment. So I think the Packers should be comfortable enough uh, in this one. Yeah, garbage time points for Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, next, garbage time. next up is my pick of the week, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Um, obviously a monster game. I think we've all gone for Pittsburgh in this one, which, to be honest, the start of the season would surprise us. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh have looked very good on both sides of the ball, very balanced, very elite defense. Their offense has been able to put it up whenever they needed to, but they've shown weakness and vulnerability at times, and we've seen that they can let other teams back into games even if they're dominating them. Baltimore haven't been the team that we were expecting. They looked good in some games and got absolutely destroyed in others. Have they been figured out, slash are they just not playing their optimal ball? This is a home game in division. These are always fantastic matches anyway. But like this is probably like Baltimore need to win this to stay in the hunt to win this division, uh, because I think they need to win their home leg of this. They need to at least split against Pittsburgh to have a shot at it. Um, this should be a very exciting game. New additions on the Baltimore defense. They're trying to make sure that Pittsburgh can't have can't lay claim to the best defense in the AFC. Baltimore want to try and challenge for that. 
Pittsburgh's offense when it's firing looks great. Baltimore's offense when it's firing looks great. Uh, you know, Harbaugh's a special teams co- coach originally, so he knows how to run the special teams, and so maybe that's the edge they get in this game. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like I think this is going to be an excellent, excellent matchup. Like just, 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 just great to watch. Yeah, and I think as I mentioned earlier, like if if the conspiracy theory is that Baltimore have been holding back they've been trying things because they've had good leads in several games if that's true then i imagine that maybe we'll see the return of lamar running lamar dominating lamar doing things that he did all last year so i think this pittsburgh defense as i say does rely on blitzing they're going to get consistent pressure um and we know lamar if you don't do that great if you don't fill your gaps he's going to gash you for a lot of yards but look pittsburgh based on their form this year have been the most consistent team they're the only undefeated team left so i think you do have to give them the edge but like baltimore you you can't underestimate them we know what they can do so it'll be really this should be a really good game yeah yeah Uh, i've I've gone for the steelers here because i mean i just don't think we've seen the ravens live up to their potential this year but they are five and one without actually having really broken a sweat and they do have the probably the most talented. Well, okay, Mahomes is the most talented, but the second most talented quarterback in the NFL, and certainly for me the most exciting quarterback to watch. Um, so I mean, either way, it, I don't think it's going to be too much of a surprise. Both of these teams are going to go deep in the playoffs. It's just a question: this game and the and the corresponding game uh, in Pittsburgh are going to decide who gets a wins division and who gets to be the the number five seed who beats up on um, some poor divisional winner. Yeah, uh, Rams at Miami up next. Uh, yeah, I did a last-minute swap here, so I've gone for Miami and the guys have gone for the Rams. Uh, I'll give you a quick primer. Mine is just, I don't think the Rams are actually that good this year. Uh, I don't think they looked dominant in that performance against Chicago because I put that more in the scheming of them. Miami are at home, so the Rams are having to travel. Uh, you know, new quarterback coming in, let's see what Tua can do. They're going to pull out all the stops. Miami are coming off a bye as well. Uh, yeah, I just think like yes, I don't want I don't love the idea of Aaron Donald <laughs> coming up against a rookie in his first game, but uh, you know I think it'll be good fun. Uh, let's let let's go. Let let's start off the the the, the Tua career in Miami with a bang with a big win over the Rams. Yeah, like like look, I think Miami certainly have a chance. It's at home. We know they're traveling all the way across the country. Isn't fun for these West Coast teams. Um, and like Tua, it's a complete question mark where he's at, given his injury that he came back from and given what they might do in Miami. Um, we'll see what happens there. Like I'm giving the Rams, we should be more certainty about them. The Rams are actually, you know, their defense, obviously they're a defense first team. But I think the, the one interesting thing with their offense is they're basically running the Baltimore offense from last year, but without Jim Lamar Jackson. And it's a bit like, uh, like Sean would, would realize this, when Spain ran the Barcelona system without Lionel Messi. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. it still works. It still has the things that make it work. But without that like X factor guy who the whole thing runs through, it's a lot less fun and interesting. So uh, like it's been working enough for them. They've been running the ball basically a huge amount more than they've been passing the ball very uh, much in contrast to what they did earlier in the Sean McVay era. Um, but it is working. They are a solid team. And the NFC West just seems to keep picking up wins from the uh, AFC East and NFC East respectively. It's just kind of how they're getting these winning records already. Yeah, is this is this a six p.m. game? Is it? I think it, if it uh, is, then the Rams are playing at ten a.m. their time, mm, which yeah. is yeah, that is actually going to be very tough for them. Um, I still think they probably have enough. I, I'm not convinced. The Dolphins of this decision to to get rid of Fitzmagic really grates me, and just out of spite, I just can't let them win a the game. So I'm going to go mediocre white man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most mediocre of all the white men. 
I know, he's Jared a symbol Goff for is, all is pretty, mediocre white men everywhere. Jared Goff's pretty representative <laughs> as well, to be honest. He is, yeah. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Uh, Las Vegas at Cleveland. Uh, me and Fitz have gone for Las Vegas. Sean's gone for Cleveland. Look, uh, both teams that are going to be sniffing around the playoffs, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that either of them are going to be deep run threats in it at the moment. Uh, Vegas looked good against Tampa Bay until they kind of they had that interception and then it just kind of just just pulled away from them immediately like we kind of forget that they were within four points of them in late in the third quarter because uh, that scoreline from last week doesn't look like it Cleveland equally missing a couple of pieces but are at home um, I don't know is Chubb due back for this game because that might change my no, mind no he'll be back after the week bye. 10 I think okay yeah, fair enough is what I've heard yeah, yeah like my, my one concern for Vegas is that like they're um Jacobs just looks very slow. I think he's hurt. Like yeah. he's, he must be playing very hard because he looks like nothing like the the player that was leading in yardage and was a locked up rookie of the year. So he got injured last year. Like, yeah. you know? like um, it was a tough assignment last week uh, coming out of the bye. So maybe like you know Devin White was just kind of supposed to. Be, but yeah, it, it's like Devontae Booker's look better than him when he's played, and it's that's not a great sign. <laughs> yeah. Sean, um, you got yeah, the I Cleveland mean, just here. just. Just to justify the Browns, I mean, it is mostly because the Raiders are quite a boring team to watch and the Browns are the most exciting team um, of this year, so I kind of want to see them do well. Uh, and I think if they could, they are a momentum team and they, they do have a lot of momentum in that last game, kind of fighting back and forth and getting a good hard win at the end. So I just kind of, I just kind of yeah, I want to see that momentum keep going um, and keep the, the Cleveland, the, the Believeland um, train um, flying on for, for another week. No, of course, Tennessee at Cincinnati. We've all got for Tennessee here. Um, look, Cincinnati will be fun in this game and we'll get some entertaining shots of them. But like, I think I could run for about 200 yards on this on this Bengals defense, let alone what happens when you let Henry at them. Uh, I don't. I just think Cincinnati aren't going to be able to stop them and that's going to lead to a kind of a, a one-sided affair with probably Cincy making up for it with some nice kind of third and fourth quarter scores when it's almost irrelevant at that point. Uh, Indianapolis at Detroit. Me and Fitz have gone for Indianapolis. Sean's gone for Detroit. Ronan, just a quick overview. Yeah, like, look, this should be an important game. Detroit are 3-3. Three and three. Colts are 4-2. and two. They both have some talented players like Galladay, for example, and Detroit, T.Y. Hilton and Indianapolis. But both these teams are very hard to watch outside of that like late night spectacular uh, for Detroit. So, like, look, I think Indianapolis are just the more overall solid team just need Rivers not to throw the ball to the the other team and I think they can just about grind this out but yeah I wouldn't trust either of these teams week to week to be honest yeah these are yeah, not I just I'm just not convinced by the Colts at all really and I think Rivers is a liability and I think the Lions have the potential to kind of they have scraped a few of these tight games so far this year um, so why not again is my kind of thinking yeah to be honest I I'm happy to pick it and just not watch it so uh that's, that's that's my approach. <laughs> By the way, actually, just in the side that uh, that that watching that game last week was the Falcons Detroit game was awful. Like, what's wrong oh, yeah. with the turf? Like, the oh, whole yeah. place looks grey. Yeah, it's it was dying. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, anyway, anyway, so that was just an aside. It was just like it was like watching like you you know in a video game when it cuts to someone just having a horrible nightmare. Like it just kind of looked like that. Um, New Orleans and Chicago. Oh, also by the way, those Falcons jerseys that fade up, like please burn them. Uh, yeah. Chicago, New Orleans at Chicago. This is Ronan's pick of the week. 
yeah like look like like i don't know if this will be a good game necessarily but it's obviously highly important in the playoff picture um chicago obviously get the loss against the rams but they're still five and uh, two um and obviously we know what they do they have defense and then nick Foles. sometimes he's good sometimes he's bad we have no idea which one of those is but obviously their number one priority if they are going to win this game and to be honest none of us trust them since we all picked new orleans is they need to stop alvin kamara the the alien who will absolutely destroy teams week on week but they have a good defense even if the run game hasn't necessarily been their strength so if they can just focus on alvin kamara shut him down put the game on drew Brees' arms then they can make a fight at this and get another one of these grindy wins but look new orleans they're a talented team I think we're all kind of hoping maybe they can turn the corner and get back to being an NFC contender, uh, which they haven't really looked like up to this point in the season. But uh, yeah, it's another big test for them. They have a lot of important games coming up, and I think making sure that they win against a, a beatable Chicago team in Soldier Field will be a huge point there. So look, uh, you know, this this probably won't be the most fun game to watch, but it will be very important for what happens for the rest of the season. Yeah, I would love if Chicago won it though. It would just be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have, have bigged up the Bears a little bit in previous weeks and having just talked down the Saints earlier in this podcast, <laughs> maybe I, it's a bit of a strange pick to go with the Saints, but... Um, Usually on the road, yeah, I just, I just, I Yeah, I mean, the Bears, I think, as Fitz said, I, I think their defense is strong, but not necessarily their run defense, and the Saints do have good strengths um, in the running game. And surely the Saints are going to start delivering eventually, is kind of my, my thinking of this. Um, especially they have been tending to, to pull out these these games against potential rivals, um, either divisional rivals or in this case um, uh, interconference rivals. So but the Saints have been winning without looking good. So maybe that's enough. Also, the Bears have been winning without necessarily looking good. So one of these teams will probably win without looking particularly good. Mm. Yeah. Next up, we have the Chargers at the Denver Broncos. Finally answering the question, which one of these teams deserves to have uh, three wins in their sub-500 position on the year no one cares this game is going to be awful chargers will win because the rookie is good denver like enjoy watching this game on the other side of the field you will see what an actual franchise rookie quarterback looks like and then go and try and find one by firing john elway because he can't find fucking quarterbacks that's all you need to know about it we've gone for chargers across the board peyton manning yeah just bring back peyton manning why not he probably manning (laughs) eli's available um yeah, Chargers. Next up, uh, big NFC West battle, San Francisco at Seattle. We've gone for Seattle across the board. Yeah, my thinking on this is basically Seattle are at home. They play them tough. There are three starting defensive players on the San Francisco team at the moment. Uh, they are on their, I'm guessing, 19th running back. Uh, they Do don't Michael really Hasty have a proper hype. answer at, at quarterback at the moment. Seattle are going to be angry after losing to Arizona. They're at home. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they'll make a meal of it because it's Seattle and they don't win games easily. And look, Kyle Shanahan, he can make a tomato can run for 100 yards by just rolling it down through those <laughs> massive holes. Um, but like, look, like Seattle, like they, like Russell Wilson, he's been carving up the lesser defenses. And right now, the San Francisco defense isn't that great, uh, despite the fact they held like New England's offense. It's still run heavy. They didn't really get it going. But I think Russell Wilson can get enough here to kind of get them the win. But yeah, I'm sure they'll make me work for it. And <laughs> my hard work for it. Have you, Seattle? Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I, I see it as, as a close game, but I do think that the Seahawks do have enough talent in them to, to hold it out, even if the Niners are quite well coached. No, of course. Uh, Dallas at Philly. Look, 
Dallas are starting like it sounds Bend like a knockoff Italian shoe wear brand at quarterback. <laughs> uh, Philly are not great, but look, they're at home. Dallas are awful. Da- Dallas put up three points against the Washington football team. Like, let's not pretend this is a game. Uh, final game, mm. Tampa Bay, the Giants. Again, Sean, pretend it's a game? Uh, yeah, the Giants are terrible, and uh, the Buccaneers are beginning, it seems, to get it together. Brady is, even though I still think he's on decline, is, is showing flashes when he has the offense built around him to his specifications and gets a throw to Gronk um, whenever he wants. Um, they do tend to get things won. There's just not enough in the Giants on either side of the ball to stop a team um, in this kind of form. Um, no. The the books could put up a big score here if if they get going, uh, especially since Brady loves to play uh, under the lights uh, on Friday. And he might have some, uh, you know, animus for the Giants team. Uh, one might. Think. Yes, <laughs> revenge. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So that'll do it for for the games for next week. So any crackers yourselves? Has any plans for the weekend? Uh, I, I think, think the, so. Staying indoors, yeah. Yeah, I think the big, big rugby Six Nations weekend. Oh, so yeah. They'll, they'll yeah. Be, be watching that. Uh, and there, otherwise, yeah, you know, staying safe and not encouraging anyone to, to do anything meaningful with their lives um, <laughs> unless it could be done remotely. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I like it. Yeah, well, I suppose the, the, big thing is, the big thing is Halloween, so on Saturday, so hoping that the kids don't come around trick-or-treating. Uh, so this is the first suburbs, first Halloween in the suburbs. So um, it'll be an interesting experience. Seems like a good spot to like... We have to throw Haribos at them from a, from a distance or something. Or like just, just put a side up that they're not to come in Lick and if they do, though, fill, a, fill a super soaker with milk and just blast them with it. Or have one of those temperature checks and start uh, firing it at them anytime they can. <laughs> oh, my... That sounds uh, great fun. Yeah, uh, I'll be moving house and getting set up, but uh, that's about it. Lots of lots of packing for the next two or three days. I have to do a trial run of packing the car to see how much I can put in there. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be uh, that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, no, apart from that, nothing else too wild or strange. So uh, as always, I suppose firing questions if you have them to us on the Facebook and the Twitter and all that kind of jazz. Uh, but for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan, bye, bye from Sean, bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. 